0: Welcome to Uninformed. My name is Kendall Monette
1: and this is Sean Sevi.
0: Each week we bring you current events in 20 minutes or less.
1: We give you the mo- the moves. We give you the news that matters <laughs>
0: <Hey>.
1: <laughs> Why don't we just keep that? We give you the news that matters so you don't feel so dumb around your smart friends.
0: Today we're speaking with Dr. Jason Quinn in our two-part series on energy.
1: But first, the headlines.
0: Okay, Sean, so last week's presidential debate was the last one. So a lot of people are happy about that. Finally,
1: it's over.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but there's a lot happening outside of the U.S. as far as um, countries that we have relationships with. So first, I'd like to talk about Iraq, and they are starting the um, operation that we talked about a few weeks ago, taking back Mosul. So initial reports have, have stated that this is going to be a long, hard fight. Donald Trump mentioned in the debates that it's shameful that we let them know our plan because we gave away the element of surprise. A lot of really prominent military leaders disagreed with him and stated that there's a lot of value in early on so that you can work with people on the ground and civilians and well, not have so many civilian casualties.
1: Well, and I, I, that was the opportunity to help them get out. I, I understand that they left leaflets on the ground, kind of to help to give people heads up hey civilians get out of here
0: yeah and we've been doing this kind of thing since the 50s honestly my grandpa fought in the korean war and he tells me stories about them filling the bomb bays of the airplanes with leaflets instead of bombs you know so psychological warfare is definitely part of the way we do things
1: So when you covered Mosul, Kendall, like three weeks ago, you're saying this wasn't going to be a boots on the ground kind of thing. But we just heard that last week we have at least one American casualty. Like what's the, the American involvement such that somebody got killed?
0: A lot of our involvement in Mosul and also on the Syrian side of the border with the fight with ISIS is just operational support and special ops type guys so like the navy seals and um, marine special ops command so we will have casualties but it's not the large amounts of boots on the ground that we saw in the iraq war or the war in afghanistan and in other news in foreign affairs the president of the philippines rodrigo duterte announced last week that he is getting into bed with china and Apparently, he's walking away from the treaty that his country has had with the U.S. for decades. Um, this is very sad news. If if action is taken on this, the relationship with the Philippines and the U.S. militarily and diplomatically, strategically, is a very, very important one for both parties. Has it and, just been um, this
1: president in Philippines that's had yes. a, a bad... Yeah? So, in the past, we've had yeah. better relations, right?
0: Right. And, you know, um, it hasn't all been rainbows and sunshine. There have been a lot of historical claims that this president is bringing up um, times when American soldiers have abused Filipinos. And, um, you know, there was a war over a century ago that happened. And so there were, you know, bad things happen in war and there's a lot to be accounted for there. But, you know, people have found a way in recent history to work with the U.S. and seen the value in that. But um, this president seems to really have an agenda against the U.S., which is disturbing and really disappointing for the Filipino people because there's a lot they're giving up, and who knows what they're getting with China.
1: Wow. So a group of scientists accidentally turned carbon dioxide into ethanol, which is kind of cool. And in light of our interview we're going to have later on the show, it's really sweet because... Carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas. Carbon dioxide is what everybody says is bad about coal power and petroleum, is that they give off carbon dioxide, which warms the atmosphere and causes so many other problems. But what if we could turn that carbon dioxide into a fuel? That's kind of fantastic.
0: Well, that's the dream, right? Taking what is a waste product and turning it into fuel.
1: Yeah. Now, the only problem about this helping, you know, reduce greenhouse gases is that it's not, you you can't just, you know, put something up in the atmosphere and turn all that CO2 into ethanol. We don't have the means of doing that. But um, some of the applications that the scientists said that this would be most helpful for is as a means of storage on the power grid. So um, basically, if you have wind or solar, um, you'd be able to turn that, they, they believe, to turn that into ethanol and use that power later because you can only use wind and solar during the day.
0: So what they're saying is they want to use this ethanol that they get from CO2 during the times when wind and solar aren't producing enough electricity it's to kind of supplement that?
1: That's what I understand. Yeah, one man's CO2 is another man's ethanol.
0: Okay, so in technology news... There have been reports that Google is working on a project called Unplugged, which will bring TV channels to your phone or your computer via the internet.
1: Wow, we've only seen that on a small scale. Twitter is starting to uh, do a feed for football games, um, and some subscriptions for cable let you do that on your phone too, but that's it so far, right?
0: Yeah. And as of right now, I think most services, you have to either sign up with a service like Hulu, which gives you episodes of your favorite TV shows, or you have to go to each channel and log into their website and go off of their terms and their payment schedules. But this would just be like your cable that you just pay one bill and you get all these channels, but you're just paying Google for it. So it's going to be fast and clean and simple, like all of their products.
1: Well, like cable. You can't
0: tell that I have a bias here, right?
1: Well, like, what's <laughs> – but I think it's cool. Uh, I, I've been thinking about cable. Like, cable's been about the same for a few decades, except they changed it to digital, which – and they've added HD. Okay, so maybe those are big things. But cable has been cable for decades.
0: The business model really hasn't changed.
1: Yeah, you you, uh, watch something, and then you have to live through the commercials. Then you watch it, and then the commercials – but that's not that's a little bit different now.
0: Yeah. So it looks like the first channels getting on board with this project will be CBS and a few of the channels owned by Viacom and 21st Century Fox. I don't actually have cable. I never have, so I don't know these big companies and what they represent. But but now you will shows out there. Thanks now I will. will. Now I have the opportunity. <laughs> From one technology to another, let's dive into our main story with Dr. Jason Quinn on energy. In part one of this two-part series, we'll talk about non-renewable sources of energy, like oil, natural gas, and coal. We'll cover the pros and cons, and what the future might look like for each.
1: So I met Dr. Jason Quinn as a mechanical engineering student at USU. My thermodynamics class spent an entire week on different forms of energy, and Dr. Quinn was the guest lecturer. um, And really, Everything I've learned from what he's had to say about different forms of energy and climate change and things like that, really, I've taken credit for everything he's he's done. So, Dr. Quinn, welcome to the show. Welcome to Un-Uninformed.
2: Perfect. It's really great to be here. So we I, I can go by Jason. That's fine with me. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for
1: being on the show, Jason. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Uh, tell us a little background of how you've been involved with energy and why that's been an interest to you.
2: You kind of never know you're going to be an engineer until you start taking things apart and putting things back together. And so that was like in third grade or something like that for me. And um, to be honest with you, I really didn't get into energy until I took a class my senior year from probably the best professor I've ever had, right? His name was Paul Wilbur. Yeah. And I still remember that. So that was in 2002. So I'll date myself a little bit. But uh, it was energy conversion engineering and it was a senior tech elect in mechanical engineering at Colorado State University. And after that class, I was just hooked like everything we talked about. I was just so intrigued about it. And um, from there, it just kind of evolved into, uh, you know, I, I went and did a master's degree at University of Wisconsin, Madison, uh, specifically looking at, at nuclear fusion energy research. Um, and after two years of that, I kind of took a step back and um, took a couple of years to do some really fun things, nothing related to engineering or uh, <laughs> energy for that matter, um, but then kind of came back uh, to it to do a PhD at Colorado State University, and that was focused on microalgae biofuels, and so I've always kind of had this interest in energy, and, and I think that the, that the future will continue to be um dynamic and where we go with energy but it's always been kind of something I've always been interested in.
1: It's such a hot topic and I think that's why we wanted to cover it in this podcast. Uh the politicians are talking about it, but I'm I'm mostly concerned what does science have to say about it? Um my first question yeah. is uh like things like climate change and global warming always come up among politicians, but what are scientists saying about climate change and global warming?
2: Yeah. So that's, I think it's really interesting to bring up those two points, right? So when you ask most people, you know, do you buy into climate change? Well, the answer to that is yes, for most people, right? Do you buy into global warming? Well, there's a huge kind of uh, uncertainty around that in terms of the public opinion, if you will. And so I kind of stay away from global warming and I kind of focus more in on climate change because a lot of people buy into that. What's the difference? Um, That's a great question you know, (laughs) so... Uh, I, I'm very liberal on some things and very conservative on other things, and so when it comes to those two things, I don't see much of a difference. Um, but to get the conversation going, I think it's important not to exclude people, right? So that's why I kind of focus in on the climate change aspect of things because a lot of people buy into that, and I don't want people to be excluded from from the conversation. And so when you pull global warming in, that there's a lot of negative things. There's a lot of really negative things that have happened with scientists related to global warming in terms of people falsifying data. And I think that's been detrimental, but most people do buy into climate change because, you know, we can measure that. We can see that, you know, in our own personal lives, there are changes happening, whether it's for good or for bad. It's kind of, you know, that, that's a, that's a conversation all in of itself, but, you know, having that conversation means we buy into climate change, for example.
1: Well, we saw it really close up at Utah state university because they experienced I mean, would you call the inversion we had at Utah State University, would you call that climate change? Is that kind of the same category? Uh, or a little I bit call different?
2: that a family of the place that we live, to be honest with you. Right. <laughs> um, I think that the fact that we notice the inversion is a function of the fact that we are, you know, we're, we're population is growing, people are uh, emitting more, if you will, and so now, you know, instead of just feeling the cold, we're feeling the health effects as well. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that, that specific inversion has been there, f- you know, for, for longer than we've ever been on the planet, for sure. Okay. Um, you and I, for example, uh, I, I don't want to get into that debate. That, that, that's a whole nother topic, <laughs> whole nother podcast, if you will. Sure. Um, but I think that people are taking notice because we're having more of an impact and that impact is directly, uh, you know, having a, an impact on climate change, if you will.
1: Yeah. So there's so many different forms of energy, and we have this is a 20-minute podcast, so we wanted to kind of have a lightning round where you kind of give us an introduction, a definition of uh, a certain form of energy, and then give us like the pros and cons of that as a means
2: of energy production. Okay. So, so you ready? Sure. So, so one thing I think is really important, and you should put this at the very beginning, right, is that you have to remember I'm one guy with one opinion, and I think that's important. Um, and so, uh, you, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what I think and, and what I know. Um, but remember, I'm one guy, one opinion.
1: Yeah, and I, uh, and you, you are an engineer, and uh, we, we uh, trust engineers sometimes too much. <laughs> but but your your opinion is uh, is really cool with your background. Um, so give us the download on petroleum.
2: So petroleum has been the gold standard, right? That's what we compare everything to. It's energy dense and it's too easy to get out of the ground. You know, the negative things that we all know are the carbon emissions that are associated with with that. And then the other thing is, you know, have we reached peak? You know, we've been talking about peak oil since the 50s. And <laughs> so whether we're at peak now or not, is I've I got no idea, to be honest. So
0: what, is, what does that mean? What does peak oil mean?
2: Peak oil means basically that we have peaked in terms of the amount that we can pull out and the amount we're going to pull out as we move Mm. forward in time is going to continue, continually decrease. And so, you know, like I said, people have been saying we've hit peak oil since the fifties. And so, um, that being said, it is a finite resource. There's no doubt. There's just a large uncertainty in terms of when do we hit that peak?
1: I think it was in middle school. They said we have 50 more years (laughs) and, uh, well, but fracking changed that quite a bit,
2: right? Sure. So that's related to natural gas, right? And so I think with every technology we talk about, you know, when, when I say when I say fracking, what's the negative thing that comes up associated with fracking? Uh, I, water I,
0: supply getting poisoned. Yeah,
2: water, water contamination, right? And so to me, that's a huge misnomer associated with fracking. You know, there was uh, some fracking going on in Pennsylvania. They were doing very shallow fracking, and they did contaminate groundwater, and And that has perpetuated out. And so what I like to compare that to is snowboarders, right? Is that, you know, there's there's a very small fraction of snowboarders when they first came out that were giving all of snowboarders a bad name. It's almost, you know, kind of a prejudice, if you will. You know, but when I look at snowboarding, I'm a skier, to be transparent. You know, if it wasn't for snowboarders, skiing would be in the dark ages. You know, skiers are going off snowboarder jumps, wearing snowboarder clothes, doing snowboarder tricks. And so they revolutionized you know, skiing. And so that's one of the problems I have with some of these energies is that they get a bad name for a very, you know, a a one-off incident, if you will. And so fracking is a good example of that. And so that's why I think it's important, right, is that sometimes there's these one-off events or these few individuals that give either a technology or snowboarding for that matter, a bad name. And I think it's important to get the data and understand truly, you know, what happened and, and whether it's, Legit or not, if that makes sense.
0: Cool. Yeah. So, in your opinion, there is a right way to do fracking.
2: So, I mean, fracking stuff, right? I mean, we're we're injecting a lot of water with one percent of a bunch of stuff, and that one percent of a bunch of stuff isn't necessarily good stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, it's only one percent, right? But there's a lot of water, and so one percent of a lot ends up being, you know, a significant amount, and so. You know, I think with every technology that we talk about here, there's drawbacks, right? And we need to understand whether those drawbacks are worth it or not.
0: It kind of seems to me like it's one of those things like clean coal. Some people say there's no such thing as clean coal, but you can get cleaner coal. And that kind of rounds out our uh, our three, the petroleum, natural gas, and coal. Those are the three that we get from the ground. So... Is is that a, is that kind of in the right direction, like fracking? You can get cleaner fracking, but ultimately you are going to be pumping a lot of bad stuff into the ground no matter what you do.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Right. And so here's where I become very conservative very quick. And so I personally think that, you know, climate change is a global problem. And until the globe buys into it, you know, it, and it could be by the time the globe buys into it, it's too late. And so, you know, I'll ask this question. Should the United States stop burning coal and pay more for electricity and take a hit on their economy when places like India and China will not do that? You know, and so that I think that's a really hard question to ask is that are we going to be leaders or are we going to wait and then make everybody fall in line and then, and then adopt, you know, restrictions on coal, for example?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, kind of related to petroleum, we've got um, biomass or biofuels like ethanol. And you said you did some research with algae, so maybe we can weave that in here. What, what would, how would you define biofuels, and what are the pros and cons there?
2: Sure. So, um, food versus fuel is the first thing that comes up, right? And so, you know, we can't be taking corn and turning that into ethanol. We can't be taking soybeans and turning that into biodiesel. And so uh, I do a lot of work in biofuels, specifically with algae based systems. Um, and so when I look at biofuels, we need to move towards second and third generation feedstocks. And what that means is basically moving away from the food versus fuel. Um, you know, we're, as a globe, we're going to become protein limited very quickly here. And uh, we can't, we, we can't be taking protein and turning it into fuels is, is, is my opinion anyway.
0: Um, I've heard that argument before. So with the algae, is that one of those third or second um, – I forget what Yeah,
2: you so second-generation biofuels are typically these uh, um, terrestrial crops. They're, uh, you know, miscanthus. They're these fast-growing grasses, if you will, um, switchgrass, for example. Third-generation is kind of these uh, – you know, algae is a great example of a third-generation uh, biofuel. And so I, I think it's important to note, and this is kind of goes in, into energy in general, I don't see there being a silver bullet. Algae is not going to solve our world problems. I see it as being part of the answer, and I think a lot of these technologies need to come together to be, you know, each, each has its own part. I don't think there's one winner, for example.
0: We'd like to thank Dr. Jason Quinn for joining us today. The discussion will continue on next week's episode of uninformed so tune in for more on renewable sources of energy like nuclear, solar, wind, and hydropower. And thank you each so much for listening. Your support really keeps us going. This has been uninformed with Kendall Monette. And Sean Sevi. If you liked the show, check us out on iTunes, subscribe, and give us a rating. It really helps us out. And if you're looking for an app to subscribe to podcasts with, I would really recommend Pocket Casts. It's a clean user interface. It's really easy to use. They have a great selection of featured podcasts that you can get into and we are on there so you can subscribe to ununinformed on pocket casts it's in the google play store the itunes store and we're not getting kickbacks for this i just like the app you pay for it once and then every podcast is free so check it out see how you like it and let us know if you use it
1: and also remember to like our facebook page that makes us easier to find Or find us on our website at ununinformed.com. That's un-uninformed.com.
0: Thanks, guys.